You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe. John Tabor, as always, doing a phenomenal job back at the Sports Talk 97 headquarters, 97.7 headquarters in Ruston. A few headlines we didn't get into in the 7 o'clock hour. One of them, Ben, uh, the, the Cave Rescue. Have you been keeping tabs of the, this over the weekend? Yeah, um, especially yesterday when they started getting some out. Um, it was it was. Uh, great. I'm, I'm so happy that they're finally able to get to them and, and get some of these boys uh, to rescue. Is it up to seven now? I think now? it's last I saw within the last hour, seven of the soccer players, the boys down in that cave, have been rescued. Well, that's great. Yeah. Uh, continue prayers for them. And then just the efforts that it's taking and the manpower and the people that are coming to their aid and their assistance. Pretty incredible. Yeah, and I saw that uh, of those who, who have been rescued, you know, the parents aren't able to see them yet no. because they have to, you know, make sure that they didn't get any infections down there. So I know that's got to – I mean, that's tough for all the parents, but I know it's got to be tough not to be able to physically see or, or touch your, your kids after that. Over the weekend, uh, Justin Jellybean Ellis held his uh, two-day event. First, of course, out at Bayou Desert on Friday with the uh, auction, the dinner. A uh, great turnout. I think they had seating for uh, 200. It was pretty much a packed house. It's pretty cool just seeing that number of that many NFL players back and supporting Justin Ellis and, of course, going to a good cause his nonprofit organization, which he, he buys backpacks backpacks and shoes and other things for youngsters around northeast Louisiana. The thing that stands out the most, and I heard a number of people tell me, you always look at them and these are big guys. They're literally mammoth human beings. Sometimes, always. you know, you see them on TV or you know, from the stands, but when you're up close and personal with them, you realize the size of these dudes. Pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. It, it it doesn't matter how many times you see them. Yeah. It, it always, every time you're just like, man, I, I forget how big these guys are. And then the number of guys that, you know, the relationships that they have with uh, Justin, it shows just by the number of that on their free times, they literally are down to just a number of weeks before they all got a report. July to July 4th tra- weekend, too. Before they got a report to training camp. And there was a number of them. I think they had close to 15 NFL guys there helping out Justin with uh, the event on Friday and then Saturday out at Bill Rupel. Another huge turnout, the number of kids that came out and had an opportunity to rub elbows and also just interact with these NFL guys. What kind of memories that must be for them and, of course, should motivate them further in their careers to being, you know, you know, junior high, high school stars? Absolutely, and it always helps when you see guys that came from the same area that yeah. you did. That's, that's the greatest inspiration you can get. The other thing that really st- stood out to me was the fact that, you know, it's cool that these guys, of course, are fighting for – their careers in the NFL, but just the, sh- the short span life that you have in the NFL. I mean, you have to capitalize when you can. Justin certainly is with the new deal, $15 million, but there's others that are just fighting to stay in the league. Uh, Quentin Patton was back in the area, of course, uh, Justin's former teammate at Louisiana Tech. You look at him. When he left Louisiana Tech and the career that he had with the Bulldogs, you're thinking, man, he's going to make it, and he's going to make it big in the NFL. 49ers, he had a number of uh, good games, but unfortunately that didn't work out. He goes to the Jets. He had one or two games there. 
he had an injury, I think it was at this foot. He's now got an injury a settlement with the Jets, and right now he's out of the league. He's just waiting for that call, that opportunity to get back into the league. But Quentin Patton, anybody that saw him at Louisiana Tech, you're thinking, that kid right there, uh, his charisma and just the playmaking skills that he has, you're thinking he's going to be a star in the league. Yeah, but, you know, an injury can derail that. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that so many times because there are so many uh, skill players out there. I mean, teams are going to, you know, be a little less patient with you. They're not going to stick around. and You know, there's no real loyalty with the NFL. It's a business, mm -hmm. and, and they're going to get the best guys available. 888-993-7762. Great uh, event for Justin Jellybee and Alice this past weekend. All right, you ready to start our previews? Yes, I think you were trying to stall a little bit there, but no. uh, I think you're trying. <laughs> I just to wanted to give a shout-out because it was a huge event. There aren't many players that are doing this now, and when they do, yeah. I think they need some attention you're and right. some kudos. That's fair. You're right. All right, so ACC football. We're going to be breaking down the Power Five conferences this week. Uh, and then we're going to continue with the group five um, next week. Yeah, we're going to do some of them. But, I mean, we got well, Conference some. USA and Sunbelt. Okay, well, we can at least do those two. Yeah. All right, well, well, we'll just do those two next week then. <laughs> Aaron's looking at me shaking his head like, no, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? Is, is this too much college football talk for you? All right. Uh, let's start. You're going to do the big sky? I mean, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> all right, anyway. How long would that preview last? Eh, it wouldn't last very long. <laughs> We could group them all together, honestly. <laughs> okay. Uh, Atlantic Coast. Let's go with that division first because I want to start with Clemson. Right. I think you have to start with Clemson when you talk about the ACC. Um, so, and look, and looking at this team this year, I think they're easily the team to beat in the conference because they're going to have one of the best defensive lines in college football history. And I know. Could all four that of them a, have left for the NFL yes. and they all four decided to come uh, back? Well, I would say at least three of them for sure. Three of them would be playing in the NFL. I don't know about starting on the defensive line, but they would definitely be getting playing time on the NFL defensive line. Their so, defensive line is, will be better than LSU's defensive line? Yes. So, so they essentially have uh, an NFL defensive line. I mean, these are NFL guys up there. They are nasty. Hands down the best in the conference. So anytime you have a defensive line like that, I mean, you can control – you know, you can control a lot. You control the game. So, because of that, they are the team to beat. But not only that, you know, you look at this team um, with, you know, Farrell, Lawrence, Wilkins. They they have some absolute studs up there. But then you look at some of the familiar names on the offense, and you've got a quarterback in Kelly Bryant who, you know, he looked like he was on his way to superstardom. He had a really good year last year. Stumbled a bit uh, down the stretch, which has a lot of people talking. Something to look out for is – whether or not Trevor Lawrence, the incoming freshman, who can throw it better uh, than Bryant, whether he will supplant Bryant. Uh, of course, I expect Bryant to start once the season you know, begins, but if, if Bryant struggles, don't be surprised if Lawrence comes in and replaces him. So you got Kelly, uh, Kelly Bryant, you've got Hunter Renfro. Of course, everybody remembers him for the, the national championship catch that he made against Bama. Uh, you got Travis Etienne, who is a Louisiana boy, who I think is going to be the feature back of this team. I think – you know, athletically, Clemson will be able to match up with anybody. That's not going to surprise anyone just because we know what, what kind of recruiting classes Dabo has gotten at Clemson. Um, and because of that defensive line, because of that pedigree, that's going to be the difference maker in that conference. And that's why I think Clemson is, is going to emerge once again as the ACC champion. Hmm. Any, Ed Time did not start last year one single game, it says here. Who, who didn't? Ed Time. 
Etienne. Yeah, Etienne. But, uh, rush, but no, let him he, in rushing with 766 yards. Yeah, he, he played a lot. Uh, but he's going to be the feature back this year. So, all things considered, I fully expect them to get back to the college football mm. playoff. What does the rest of the ACC look like, though? I look at a team like NC State, and it's really they're really intriguing to me because I like Ryan Finley a lot, the quarterback. Um, I, th- I also think he returns a lot of big-time playmakers on the outside. If you hadn't had a chance to really see NC State play, Ryan Finley, Finley is a tremendous quarterback, um, and he had a, a great receiver in Kelvin Harmon on the outside who had over 1,000 yards last year. Um, so, and, and he returns a couple of starters on the outside. So they are going to be able to chunk it, okay? They're going to be a very good passing team this year. And the last time we saw them, if you'll remember, they were hanging 52 on Arizona in a bowl game. Okay, this this offense can score. Now, question is, can this defense do half as well without Bradley Chubb? Remember the last time we saw that bowl game against Arizona, Bradley Chubb didn't play. And guess what? They give up 30 points. Um, now, what Chubb meant to that team last year, I, I just wonder how this defense is going to evolve without him. He was a true game-breaker a true game changer on that defensive line. That's why, you know, I thought so highly of him. I, I wanted the Saints to try to move up mm-hmm. to draft him. Remember, we had a lot of talk about that during the NFL draft. But uh, I'll be interested to see how they move on from him. Well, you got an Atlantic division. And of course, they're the second ones you mentioned. And then uh, Florida State, I'm sure. Florida State is the other team that – okay, so Florida State. You go into last year and you're looking at high expectations, and of course it unravels yeah. quickly. Yeah, uh, what seventy six um, season, which which doesn't fly in Tallahassee. Um, but two things we know about Willie Taggart, who's who's taking over the job, is he loves to run the football, and he loves to go fast. So I think because because he likes to play that up tempo style, that's going to help with the offensive line issues that they've been having. Let's not forget, guys. <laughs> whether it was DeAndre Francois or James Blackman, this offensive line took a beating. I mean, th- these quarterbacks took a beating because this offensive line surrendered 66 sacks those last two seasons combined. 66 sacks. That's too many. That's too many for a program like Florida State. So I- I'm interested in seeing what Taggart does with that up-tempo style, and, and I want to see if he has the same success on the ground that he's had at other places. I mean, last year at Oregon – they were 12th in the nation in rushing. And in the previous two years at USF, they had top 10 national rushing attacks. So I, I can't wait to see Cam Akers in that system. Uh, you know, I think the world of Cam Akers, I think his freshman year was a little bit um, – it left a lot to be desired. Uh, he didn't have quite the season I was anticipating from him. I think that season will come this year, though. I think he'll have a breakout year. But um, Francois, well, what will he be coming well, or back? Or Blackman, who's yeah, going to start? Yeah. Francois, I mean, a lot of people looked at him as a dark horse last year for the Heisman before he went down. Exactly, but I mean, Blackman had showed showed a lot of raw potential last year. Um, so I, you know that that's a quarterback battle to watch, and they got two capable guys for sure. The question remains: Can they protect them? Um, the defense, though, lost a lot of talent. I mean, they lost. Uh, the three starting linebackers last year. But, of course, they reload with those signing classes. They have some of the best signing classes in the country. And, in fact, their top four signings all came on that side of the ball. So we expect them to reload there. This is If you're looking at Florida State, I think they're going to be an athletic, interesting team. But I still put them behind Clemson 
because again, I, I just I think Clemson has more pieces returning, and that defensive line is really going to make things hard for for teams. I mean, Florida State does get uh, Clemson and Louisville at home this year. They do, they do. And look, let's move on to Louisville because I guess I'm guilty of just completely overlooking them this year. And the reason for that is how do you replace a quarterback? How do you replace Lamar Jackson, a guy that I would argue no player meant more to his team than Lamar Jackson the last couple of years? Okay, so you have to replace him, and you look at a defense that took a huge step backward last year without Todd Grantham leading them. So the defense. The questions that remain over there, the offense, of course, we've heard. Uh, I think that Jaywan Pass is the is the kid that's going to end up replacing Lamar Jackson, and, and I've heard some good things about him. Said he's a big kid, can throw it around, but let's let's face it, he's not going to be Lamar Jackson. And and Bob Petrino is a great coach, but it's going to take him a season or two to rebound from from losing Lamar Jackson. He's a big kid, six four, two hundred thirty one pounds, but obviously not as elusive and can't run like Jackson. Yeah, a couple more uh, to, to kind of tie, tie up this division. Uh, Wake Forest shouldn't be slept on. Uh, I know people think about Wake Forest and go, why should we care about them? But they they have four or five-year seniors on the offensive line. Four or five-year seniors. And they return an RPO attack that averaged uh, 467 yards per game last year. The defense will likely keep them from getting to eight wins this year but i still think they have the depth in the offense to get the seven wins so this is a a bowl team if you're looking at bowl teams boston college uh they returned one of the best running backs in the country and aj Dillon. uh he rushed for almost 1600 yards and 14 touchdowns last year um they also returned mostly everyone up front as well so you know that rushing attack is going to be pretty dang good that said <laughs> they drew the short straw they they end up getting Miami and Virginia Tech out of the uh, Coastal Division, so I wouldn't get too high on Boston College football, but I do expect them to be fun to watch running the football. Also in the Atlantic Division, you failed to mention Syracuse, of course, gave uh, LSU a run for its money last year. Yeah, and, and I think this is the year they, they break that um, the bowl drought. I think they get to a bowl this year just because I really like Eric Dungy yeah. at quarterback. He, he's a senior. Uh, we saw what he could do against LSU. He, he, he did impress me. Gets them, and also they return experience on both sides of the line of scrimmage too. So I expect Syracuse to kind of take that next step and get to a bowl game. All right, there's the uh, Atlantic Division from the ACC. Obviously, Jake wasn't watching the World Cup, but boy, he was doing his homework on the ACC. Well done. Yeah, well, this is the time of year where you're trying to kind of refresh your memory. You know, yeah. it's like when you go from season to season, you forget a lot of these things. So I've been kind of looking at every team and going, "Oh yeah, I remember he's back. He's yeah. back." And, Hogan says, what about Virginia Tech and Miami? We'll They're get coming to them. Up. Coming up after the break, we go to the Coastal Division, and, of course, the big matchup to start off the year, LSU versus Miami. What do the Hurricanes look like? we got Pretty the answer coming defense. up after the break. All right, we're kicking off our college football previews today, and we started in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Now we'll move over to the Coastal Division where we find Miami. All right, I think when you start Miami, you got to start on the defensive side, especially with the local connection. Former Louisiana Tech defensive coordinator Manny Diaz has done some great things over there. Last year, they allowed just uh, 18 and a half points per game. I know they got a number of uh, starters back on that side of the ball, which could give LSU's offense some issues to start the season. Oh, sure. I mean, you're talking about the turnover chain. 
they started something on multiple levels because, I mean, we just go back to Neville last year. They had a turnover chain, right? <laughs> I mean, it inspired kids. It does. Uh, kids like that. Um, but, you know, you're talking about one of the best linebacker cores in football. Uh, you're talking about uh, a very talented secondary. You know, Shaq Quarterman and, and Jaquan Johnson, I think, are two are the two best players they have, and I think they're going to have, you know, bright NFL careers. That said, you know, I, I'll get into this. I think Miami is the sexy pick, but I'm not sold on them winning this division. I actually like Virginia Tech, and this is Ooh. why. This is why. Uh, Miami. Malik Rozier. He had a great start to last year. He was good through, I would say, more than the first half of the season. But he finished the year throwing less than 45 or completing less than 45% of his passes in the last three games of the year. The offensive line is unproven. The defense, for as good as they were last year, got picked on in the last four games of the season. Quarterbacks completed 70% of their passes in those games against the secondary that we were supposed to fear. So I'm looking at these things. I'm just – I keep going back to, you know, the end of the season with three straight losses. I looked at those games heavily, and I think, hmm, they've had a whole offseason to stew about this. You expect them to get better. But I, I – I, where's the confidence at? Where's the confidence in Rozier at? Yeah, Rick says the job is still open. Yeah. Considering he's got a guy, what he accomplished last year, and you talked about the numbers. I think he's going to be on a short leash, and I think that bodes well for LSU getting them in the very first game of the year. Yeah. I think Rozier's going to be under a ton of pressure. And, yeah, th- this defense, as I've said numerous times, you know, they, they're able to, you know, make – they're able to make good on your mistakes, meaning a lot of the times for most of the year they allowed you to beat yourself. You know, the defense played so well that whenever you made a mistake, they capitalized on it. And they usually scored a touchdown off of it. They usually stole points from it. So that's what you got to be weary of if you're LSU and you're starting a new quarterback and in a, a big-time game, a, a Sunday game where, you know, you're the only game in town, right? I mean, this is – everybody's going to be tuning in to watch that game. So, yeah, that, that's, that's going to be tough to face when you're LSU. That said – I keep looking back, looking at the numbers. I mean, this secondary is very talented, but it's not like they, they were shutting people down last at the end of the year last year. So because I look at those concerns and question marks, I then – I'm going to transition to Virginia Tech. I then look at Virginia Tech, and I go, yeah, this is a young roster, but I really do like it. I, I, I just, I, in fact, honestly, I'm picking them to beat Florida State in the season opener. Because I like their defensive line matching up against Florida State. I really like that matchup because I've already expressed how uh, Florida State's offensive line is, um, is is not up to par. It has, has, has uh, allowed 66 sacks the last two seasons. So I like that matchup. Plus, Josh Jackson was pretty dang good as a freshman. He threw for nearly 3,000 yards last year. He had 20 touchdowns. He did have nine interceptions. He did have a few inconsistent games. Um, but I expect him to make a big jump in, in the second year. Virginia Tech against Florida State to start the year. You said you, you, you like Virginia Tech. Here's a stat. The Hokies are 1-7 in regular season neutral site contests. 
Yeah. I don't. I don't. We have a stat for everything. That's here. right. Well, we have to break the trend. That's right. Um, Miami. Some people are looking at them as a possible uh, national championship contender. Of course, a lot of that hinges on that first game versus LSU. You look at uh, teams that they'll have to face from the Atlantic Division. Uh, didn't catch a good break. The fact that they'll have uh, Florida State and Boston College from that side. Yep. Yep. And listen, I don't think. I just think they're the third best team in the ACC. I could be wrong. They have a, a great chance to prove us all wrong with that, that season opener. But I like Virginia Tech and Clemson today better than I like them. Have you seen an early line with Miami LSU? Uh, plus three LSU, right? Minus three Miami. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty close. But that said, uh, Virginia Tech, one more thing on them. You know, I, I talk so much about them and how I like them. I am concerned the fact that they do have to replace both Tremaine Edmonds and Ter- Terrell Edmonds. Uh, that's going to be tough to replace that without missing a beat. But still, I think that defensive line is going to be very, very good in a conference where you're going to need those those tough defensive lines. All right, you like Virginia Tech, even though the fact they're just 11-5 and five in the last two seasons in ACC play. Yes, I do. Others, of course, in the Coastal Division, you look at the likes of uh, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, Duke, Virginia, Pittsburgh, any of them stand out? I think you always got to look at Georgia Tech, um, a team that is pretty – it's always mixed reviews on whether or not people enjoy watching them play, yeah. watching that style of play. Really. You don't like watching it? <laughs> I really I, I do. I, the problem with that is – like, I like watching the flex ball, but the problem with that is if they get down, you know, it's, it's tough to watch them try to – throw it you know what i mean or if they're if they've got like a minute and a half left in the half and they're trying to go down and score that can get pretty ugly when they have to throw it uh, a lot but that said um there's a lot to like about what they return i mean uh taekwon marshall was pretty dang explosive running that offense last year and he'll be back and he's surrounded by upperclassmen in the backfield who have a lot of experience um they've also got some some experience up front coming back so you know, I think they're going to be really good on offense. The question is, what happened to the defense last year? I think they got a little too complicated with that four-two-five scheme. This year, they're supposed to be making it simpler with a three-four scheme. So, you know, I think a lot of times simpler is better. And when you have uh, an offense that can kind of dictate the pace like Georgia Tech's, I think that three-four scheme is going to do them a lot of good. Um, I think Paul Johnson's a good a good enough coach to take the positives and take the pieces that return and, and, and make something good of it. So I, I expect Georgia Tech to rebound from five losses last year. I mean, five wins last year. Uh, you don't see, you know, Georgia Tech just, you know, piling up five wins very often. I think they're going to rebound from that. Pittsburgh certainly took a step back last year going five and seven. Maybe that had to do with oh, not yeah. having Matt Canada. Yeah, I knew you were going there. <laughs> it's tough to replace an offensive guru. Well, like we're about Matt to find Canada. out with LSU, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, it'll be tough. It'll be tough. But, uh, no, I think, you know, Pittsburgh, like you said, I joke all you want, but they did lose Matt Canada, yeah. so they had to, you know, find a new identity. And uh, they, I think the thing was with, with Pittsburgh last year, they just weren't that physical. Yeah. They were kind of muscled around last year. And uh, they got to be a lot more physical this year if they plan to make a jump. By the way, Pittsburgh Genies, absolutely gorgeous. Mm. Love their uniforms. <laughs> just, a, just a side note. Who else? You, you, Do we North, care about Duke or Virginia? No. Duke is getting a lot of preseason love. Just what Cutcliffe continues to do there. Yeah, but look, if you look at Duke and what they did last year, 
They didn't really have a guy who could go up and get 50-50 balls. Yeah. And, man, did that hurt them during that six-game losing streak. They only averaged 12 points per game in that six-game losing streak. Mm. So I can't get that out of my mind. Cutcliffe's a great coach. I, I think we all respect Cutcliffe and know he knows what, what he's doing on the offensive side of the football. But uh, I'm going to have to see it, man. Plus, you're in the ACC. It's very tough to win in the ACC. Uh, North Carolina, I'm probably more intrigued by them because – Dude, they were three and nine last year, and they were near the bottom in the conference in every major offensive and defensive category. I thought, you know, Larry Fedora was supposed to be this uh, this next big time coach. Okay, so let's see what he does this year after such an awful season last year. All right, Jake, I think this is how we have to finish all our uh, college football previews. Why should we watch the ACC? What are the biggest storylines? Oh. Clemson, obviously. Yeah, you got a team in Clemson that has made a knack of getting it to the getting to the college football playoff. First of all, secondly, Miami. If you like that uh, swagger and the turnover chain, I think they're a fun team to tune into because they're trying. Mark Rick is embracing that culture. Culture, even though it's a weird marriage, it doesn't seem like it would fit. But he's he's embraced that old swagger, and I think they're really fun to watch. Virginia Tech, of course. With, with what they've done recently, I think we've all kind of sat here and waited for them to, you know, fully be back to that national power. They're knocking at the door, but I think with Josh Jackson back as quarterback, I expect them to have a breakout year. I think they can they can kick that door in this year. So those are the most compelling. And of course, we want to see what Florida State looks like without Jimbo. Uh, what if Willie Tyrant can continue to have that? that rushing success that he's had at other places. It's going to be a lot tougher to run in the ACC, though. And then, of course, Manny Diaz, uh, what, he's been there three years now. You think another outstanding performance by his defense this year, he's got to be a hot commodity to be the next head coach somewhere. Yeah, I don't view the ACC as the best conference. Uh, I think the SEC and Big Ten are fighting for that, but I think the ACC is right there. And you can make an argument that the ACC is the best. I can, I can sit here and listen to those, but I think I can I can point out a few of those teams um, that we just mentioned that uh, would, would certainly derail that. that I like race. the fact that you mentioned that uh, Farrell Lawrence and Wilkins Clemson, those three of the four defensive linemen from Clemson are the best in the country. And listen – uh, Sports Illustrated thinks so, too. They had all three of those guys in the top ten of their college football players wow. nationally. How many times do you see that? How many times do you see a defensive line put three in the top ten? Pretty insane. 888-993-7762. What conference are we tackling tomorrow? Big ten. We're going alphabetically. Uh, nice. I can't wait to talk about some big ten football. Mm. Morning Drive is back after this with the voice of the Warhawks, Nick White. Welcome back to the Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7. Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group 1 Realty Studio in West Monroe. As always, around 8.30 or so on Monday, we're joined by the voice of the Warhawks, Nicholas White. Nick, how you doing this morning, bud? Uh, doing, uh, eh, I'm making it. Uh, horsing around with the, the boys Saturday night. and uh, uh you pull something? A, a tr- true sign of... Uh, of getting old slash just a a freak freak little thing. Uh, Brian is kind of it's kind of moving away from him. He's on the couch and uh, got went down on the floor and he he jerked away. So I fell off the couch and kind of landed. I don't know how you describe it. Head and shoulders 
first, and you know, you, you kind of see those awkward landings in football. So imagine with my, my wonderful physique uh, landing that way. And uh, let's just say, I, 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 guess, I guess I would term it a stinger, if that's what you call it. But uh, Is this a question I need to pose to Dr. Counts on uh, Wednesday? Can I write this maybe, because here, here's what happened. Uh, I, I, went, I went home for about three seconds. Uh, my lower back and, and kind of then uh, just had to lay there for about five minutes. So uh, I'm kind of kind of walking around slow. Uh, I'm getting around, but uh, yeah, one of those uh, one of those freak things with the, with the kiddos. So, uh, but hey, I guess there there are worse things. Uh, well, I'm getting around, I guess, but uh, just a little sore in the in the lower back. So uh, just get, getting old stinks sometimes. Yeah. I understand. Uh, Nick, we talked about at the beginning of the show. We're flipping around this weekend, and we're trying to figure out what to watch, or I was certainly trying to. What did you pause on? I'm going to tell you what, I've, what, what we've been on um, on a kick here uh, since the 4th of July. There's not a whole lot on. Um, and we just stumbled kind of back up on it um, on the game show network. But he is hilarious. Uh, Family Feud. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. My wife and I, we have been binge-watching Family Feud yeah. ever since the 4th of July. I mean, I watched, uh, I, I think, you know, 4th of July night, we watched four hours worth. That was that was not good for, for, for a lady who was recovering from uh, some surgery. She was laughing. That, that wasn't very good for that. But uh, Friday, same thing, Saturday, and then uh, yesterday, uh, for our boy Mintz, I watched uh, I watched some World Series of Poker, uh, just hoping for a glimpse of of man uh, of Mintz. Uh, didn't see it, uh, and unfortunately, I think he he is now out uh, over the night hours uh, after I went to bed. Uh, but he he made a heck of a run and uh, got a nice little paycheck out there. But then I went back and watched Family Feud again last night. Uh, so that. Uh, over the last four days, that's that's kind of what I've been watching. Uh, I'm, I'm not into the hot dog eating contest like you are. I think it's absolutely disgusting watching that. Um, so that's that's kind of where I'm at. I haven't really been into the World Cup, uh, to be honest with you. I'll probably watch it now that we're down to the final four. But uh, kind of kind of kind of once once you watch one soccer match, you've watched them all, and uh, it's kind of. <laughs> but the ratings have been good now. I give them give them credit. Um, that's kind of where I'm at right now until we, we kind of get uh, cranked up with football here in a few weeks. Jake, in case you haven't been watching Family Feud with Steve Harvey, the, the questions are a little bit more risque, correct? It, it, is, it has been, um, yeah, and of course, uh, you know, my wife, is, is she, she doesn't really remember kissing Richard. Uh, I do. Yeah. Uh, that leads to the debate. Uh, there's no way in today's society that uh, Richard Dawson would, would ever ever get away with what he got away with in the, uh, the old days of Family Feud. And then uh, you're going to see uh, how it is right now. And, and you sit there and think, of course, I, I mainly grew up with Ray Combs. Um, uh, he, he's kind of kind of you know tame compared to what it is now. But, uh, you know, Steve Harvey does a good job. Uh, but, yeah, it is, it is a little more, um, I guess, risque in some of the, the questioning and the answers. But, uh he does a good job of trying to trying to keep it in there and having some laughs, and uh, that that's he's the reason why we're watching it. Uh, to be honest, and there's just some golly, there's some there's some dumb folks out there, man. They're they're just wow. Uh, some some of these answers, you're just you're just like wow. So anyway, all right, Nick, we do have some uh, 
news related to ULM, one of them being uh, Travis Munnings returning from playing for Team Bahamas, and, of course, an excellent showing by him. What do we make of the progression of his game and the fact that he's entering his senior year? It feels like it was just uh, yesterday he was that freshman, of course, a key contributor for a very good team. Now that he is a senior, what can we expect out of Munnings next year? Well, he's going to be the leader. I mean, I think that that's the number one thing you look at. I think number two, anytime you can go and play for a national team, I don't care what your country is, uh, how how big or small, that's a pretty high achievement because I think you only have about, what, 12, maybe 13 guys that ended up on that team. And, and you look at, at the guys that are on that team, and he's playing with, with the, you know, Buddy Heald and, uh, and you got, you know, the Colbys uh, that were on there, of course, you know, uh, one of the Colbys, Dwight Colby, almost ended up at ULM. They almost landed and he ended up at Western Kentucky last year, Kansas transfer, but and, and a number of other players out there. And, and for Travis uh, to really, you know, stand out and be, be one of the standouts on that team, uh, boy, that had to have Keith Richard beaming from year to year. Um, I expect big things out of this young man. He's the Energizer Bunny. Uh, he, he, he's got, you know, he, he's got a high, you know, use the term, the NFL draft term, the high motor. Uh, he, he's going to be out there uh, running up and down the floor. And uh, that experience, uh, to me, can do nothing but wonders uh, for that basketball team and for him personally, you know. So, you know, get him some looks for, for wanting to play uh, professionally down the line. So uh, I expect big things out of uh, his upcoming senior year. I think that was awesome. Nick, I know you're probably starting to flip through some of these college football magazines. Uh, Jake gave us the odds uh, earlier today. Uh, Vegas has come out. Uh, I think the Warhawks what twelve to one uh, favorites to uh, twelve to one odds listed to win the Sun Belt Conference next year. Uh, overall, they're yeah. doing plenty of love and plenty of respect. Yeah, I saw that, and um, you know, once again, I I kind of kind of go into the season with with cautious optimism and. Uh, you hope for the best, but but obviously with with you know some of the things that have that have happened over the past, you, you certainly kind of kind of want to you know kind of temper those expectations a little bit. Uh, I think the divisional format uh, will certainly play in their favor. I think whenever you look at their division right now, uh, you've got you know two new head coaches uh, down in Lafayette. Uh, and also at South Alabama and then Texas State just continue. They're they're not getting any love and. Uh, Coach Everett uh, Withers in his third year, and and you know they're they're not getting any. I think they were like a hundred to one to, uh, odds uh, mm-hmm. down with Coastal Carolina, and so you seem to wonder if they didn't get it done in year three. Uh, will that be? Will they send him packing? Uh, but but they're in the division with Arkansas State, and and they are the favorite, and rightfully so, with what they've done and what they've built up there. So. Um, you know, pretty good odds, yes, but uh, you certainly got to get out there and, and get on the field. Uh, I kind of hit a little panic mode uh, this weekend, Aaron, a, a little bit. I, I sat there and and, and it kind of hit me. I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> going, to, going to media days two, two weeks from today. We'll be in New Orleans uh, for Sunbelt Media Days. Uh, excited to be back down there. It'll be kicking off right right at this time here in two weeks. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, you kind of kind of hit that that little panic mode, like, "Ooh." Am I ready? Am I ready for the year? Am I, have I really, you know, started to, to get my prep work done? And, and obviously, you got to have some information to be able to, to get some of that. So uh started burning up my text a little bit and saying, hey, I need this, need this, need this, need this, need this, you know, and uh, kind of started panicking a little bit. And uh, cause it's right around the corner, and you want to be as prepared as possible. Uh, that 
August 30th uh, kickoff uh, will be uh, right around the corner, and and uh, I'm certainly you know excited about the upcoming year. But uh, you know, I, I get those butterflies just like uh, the coaches do uh, for what I've got to do and try to be prepared as well. So uh, we'll see how they handle the expectations. And uh, that, there's, that, that beginning slate is, is daunting to say the least. That first month, I think you'll find out a lot about them. Before they hit the road for those three games, uh, you know Georgia State, Ole Miss, Coastal Carolina, and then uh, we'll see. You know, it, I think we have a pretty good gauge uh, once they get get past October 13th. If they come out of that thing with a winning record, uh, watch out for that football team. Uh, they'll, they'll certainly be in a good position to go bowling. Uh, finally, Nick, uh, we'll poke the bear one more time. Jeff Duncan came out with an article this weekend. They are down to the final four to be the new play-by-play announcer. For the Saints, his report says that, of course, uh, Zach Streif is a finalist along with Mike Haas, also uh, Sean Kelly and Joel Myers. Yeah, and, and obviously in that article, now now that it's out there, uh, two good friends of mine uh, did interview uh, for that position, so uh, I knew that. I couldn't really talk about that, uh, but, but those being J.D. Byers at South Alabama, a uh, fantastic broadcaster, and then, uh, you know, in New Orleans, Todd Graffinini, the Graf, uh, the voice of Tulane. And, um, you know, uh, they, they, those two guys in particular, since, since, you know, only one guy's going to get the job. And mm-hmm. uh, whenever I look at let – me, let me just put this into perspective. Those two guys should have the job over Zach Street, mm-hmm. period. And that, that's taking friendship out of the equation. And, I, I, you know, whenever it comes down, I'm looking at this from a pure experience standpoint uh, of this job and what it takes. And, and you know, when, whenever you, you have these, 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 you know, releases for jobs and, and anybody who's ever applied for a job, you have qualifications that, that come out there and, and, and experience and all these different things. And, um, those guys are qualified for the job, and, and they're they're darn good broadcasters too. Or they wouldn't have gotten an interview in there. So I do credit them for at least giving those guys interviews. But then I look at the guys that are left in there, and then I look at at, at Streep, and I'm just I'm, I just scratch my head, and I'm sitting there saying, uh, that all this is to me is just a way to try to grab headlines and try to try to make a splash and say, look at what we're doing and, and trend setting and doing this and that. But to me, it's not trend setting. To me, it's, it's a slap in the face to, to an outstanding industry that a lot of uh, women and men uh, put a lot of time, a lot of effort uh, for very little pay, very little reward for that one opportunity to be able to get this, that one of, one of 32 jobs, uh, or one of 125 jobs, you know, whenever you look at division one and, and you move, move down the line and um you know i i don't see people you know pulling people off the street and saying you're going to go be an nfl head coach and you're going to go and and go and start at right guard in the nfl and uh to me it's the equivalent of that and i just don't understand it i don't get it uh but i'm not making the decision so uh if that's what they feel that they want to do uh so be it um i've always felt like the saints could could always uh, outside of Jim Henderson, could have could have always done better in the way that they they produce and 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 put forth uh, a product as far as their broadcasting goes. I stand by that. Uh, I think they could they could learn a lesson or two from from the other 31 teams that are out there. 
as far as you know, who, who they put on the air and, and how they, they, they speak and how they present the product. But I'm not making those decisions. And uh, that's their cash cow. If it's working for them, great. Uh, but uh, they didn't ask me. So uh, it is what it is, I guess. And then finally, a uh, pretty big week for ULM Athletics. It's always a fun event out there with the, the golf team and the, the State Farm Classic this week. Friday, of course, uh, the nice silent the auction, and of course the dinner, and then of course on Saturday the golf tournament. Yeah, and I think it's, it's also you know if you haven't it's been a part of this event over the years, uh, it's certainly you know one of the better events to go and be a part of. And and now that you got Bayou Point open uh, right there on the on the Bayou, uh, that's where a lot of these events are going to shift over there. And and you know Fant Ewing has been used for for years and years, but uh, to have that that See you soon, bud. All right, guys. Nick White, the voice of the Warhawks. At Bayou Point out there, it is a nice place. That is a major nice addition to ULM. Yes. Let's take a time out. Coming up next, our parting shots on the morning drive. Welcome back to the morning drive. It is now time for our parting shots on this Monday morning. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Minnesota! Well, I'm going to tell you what, Channel 8, they've been packed it in, too. They didn't get any of this on camera. We got it. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. my God. Oh, my gosh, no. I have lost my voice in excitement. I am sick. I want to throw up. Hey, uh, Top 10 Thursday. Yeah. Are we going to eventually do sports movies? I mean, the summer is going to be wrapping up here <laughs> soon enough. Uh, That one, I... Have we done top ten best college football plays of all time? No, we have not. We also can do top ten games of the 2018 season. All right. We've got a lot of options. I think at some I, point we got to go movies. We will eventually go with movies. I'm Dude, trying to we, stall we, a bit. Dude, what, are you, what are we stalling for? We're, I would like August to August first is that. right around the corner. What has happened on August first? Well, that's when we really get into it. Get into football? Yeah, we're getting into it. Already. Practices will start by then. You know. Okay. I'll be talking about do movies want, come August. Do you want movies this week? Yeah, I, well, that's kind of what I was hitting at. Uh, yeah. Okay, fine. We'll do yeah. movies this week. Uh, you need to go re- back and watch Rocky 3 and Rocky 1. No, I don't. First of all, I, I need, there's a lot of movies I need to watch, or else people are going to be yelling at me. Oh, I forgot about that one. I was trying to. 
How about for the love of the game? Have you watched that, Kevin Costner? You know, I don't know if I've seen that uh, one. Right. You have homework to do well, besides me, uh, breaking down the MEAC. You need to watch for the love of the game. <laughs> send me some uh, some some sports movies. <laughs> I just gave you two, three. For the for the love of the game, not Rocky. I've seen Rocky. Okay. Hey, by the way, uh, before we we get into it, uh, I just got an email. The Arklatech Sports Museum of Champions yeah. will induct five members. Did you know this? Yeah, the email came Friday. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just checked my email, I guess I should say. <laughs> Breaking news. Breaking it news. It came down on Friday. Well, it's the first time we've been on the show since Friday. Okay. All right. I you, needed a news sound uh, there. Okay. You know what? <laughs> but it's Why don't pretty you good. go ahead and break the it's news? It's a pretty then. good class, though, and a lot of Northeast it's news, a great as class. you would expect. Jerry Stovall's in there. Yeah. Don Shiles is in there. Uh, Louisiana Tech and MLB pitcher George Stone, yeah. Gremlin State and NBA basketball player Kenny Simpson, yeah. and then of course uh, Demetric Evans from Haynesville, he played in the NFL. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for stomping all over my parade. <laughs> anyway, all right. Parting shots, Aaron. Real quick, Demarcus Cousins is going to have a docu series with Showtime. Mm. Interested in that? Would you watch that? I don't know, man. Probably not. Well, aren't you interested? I mean, what's going to happen? I mean, what, what is going to be at the beginning of the year when he just continues no, no, to no, rehab? No, no, This is all – I should have made this known. It's going to sit around his signing. They were apparently with him the whole time. Oh. I think if they got good stuff of the reaction of the rest of the league, yeah, I'm in. But if it's just him, who cares? Mm. That's my thoughts on it. All right, my part in shot uh, today is the hypocrisy with fight fans. Mm. So – I like – I don't need a grudge. I don't need much buildup. I just need two really good guys fighting. I still like that stuff, I, even if it's um, more natural or if it's kind of kind of put on. Uh, meaning – and this all comes from the whole D.C. Brock Lesnar. It was too staged for you? No, no, no. What I'm saying is I, I like it either way. Even if it's if it's real or if it's not, uh, I like it. If, if, if there's no buildup at all, if they're two really good fighters, I don't I don't need it. But I think a lot of people look at what happened Saturday and go, staged, WWE, they're trying to be like WWE, yeah. and yet they're going to be the ones interested by the time the fight comes around. I guarantee you when the fight comes closer, they're going to they're gonna hear more and more about it. Uh, the UFC is going to continue to build off of that, and of course there's going to be more shenanigans, I'm sure. By the time they fight, so many people will have been talking about it because of those shenanigans. They're going to want to see it. Aaron, you yourself, you're not a boxing or fight fan. You tuned in to watch Floyd Mayweather and Conor. Well, Berger. I was going to go there because that's one thing you always brought up. Hey, I, the press conference with Conor, you got to see it. You know, they did yeah. that worldwide tour. It was must-see TV right. in your words. It, it was because he's, I would say, Conor is one of the best, if not the best, at hyping up a fight. Brock Lesnar, who has spent. Is one of the worst? No, no. I was going to say who sent several years in the WWE knows how to. Listen, the UFC. But you admitted before you're like, well, this, he, that's not his forte. He's not a great speaker, yeah. but he knows how to build fights. He knows how to build excitement. He helped get UFC to that next launching point. If it wasn't for him, mm. he he was first, and then Ronda came, and then Connor came. Mm. Those are the three biggest stars they've had. And I know GSP's done incredible numbers in Canada and whatnot. But as far as promotion goes, as far as crossover value. I think those are the three biggest stars they've ever had, and it started with Brock. 
Do you think that cameraman soiled his pants when that <laughs> fist was come flying at the, the best, limb? So the best part of that video, a lot of people didn't catch. Brock comes in and he shoves DC. Yeah. DC's boxing coach, who is like 5'6", runs up to Brock and pushes him, <laughs> like ready to go, ready to fight for his guy. Brock would have squished that guy. Van Gundy style. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was great. Uh, but he was ready to go. He was, he was about to get in it. And, of course, DC didn't retaliate because he knows this is all about building a fight. Uh, he, he, he's a smart guy. And that's like – and people were like, well, why are you engaging in, in this WWE-like hype? And he says – you know what? For y'all criticizing me, y'all stay broke. I know how to build a fight. I know how to make money. That's all this is. Anyway, I just think it's kind of hypocritical of people to, to point that out and go, oh, it's too WWE-like. And then I guarantee you, by the time the fight comes, that's the fight they're interested in, not these other fights I try to sell them where two guys are respectful and just the best in the world. Hmm. Once again, Jake took all the time. I don't have time, enough time for my You wanted me to shot. take the time. What, what would you have talked about? <laughs> I wanted to go about the 25 most exciting players in college football. Go ahead. We got time. And, of course, one of them featured uh, Kevante Turpin. And the fact that makes me feel old, the fact that Kevante is now entering his senior year at TCU. That, of for. all the things, that's what makes you feel old, Aaron? Uh, what we got going on tomorrow? We got Gus Cattengale, and of course, we'll dive into Big Ten football. Big Ten football, baby. What are Iowa's chances of winning the Big Ten? Raffle. LOL. <laughs> Everybody have a fantastic day. The Edge is coming up next. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.